What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We are postgame. The Memphis Grizzlies lose to the Golden State Warriors 113 to 104, fall to 19 and 14 on the season. Still holding on to that four seed. They are still up on the Clippers by game and a half. So still in a good spot. And this this game really boils down to the fourth quarter. You, you can look throughout the game and, and, and kind of pick a few different spots where the Grizzlies could have tightened things up and maybe been in a little bit better spot heading into the fourth quarter. But they fought well. You know, that that they this game was a grind. The, the Warriors, you know, a little bit of back and forth in this thing. But when you look at the fourth quarter numbers – this is where it falls apart for the Grizzlies. They were eight for 21 throughout yeah, the entire You know, you cannot win games like that. The Warriors took five less shots than them, but they made two more. The Warriors were 10 of 16 for 63% from the field in the fourth quarter. The Grizzlies missed five shots within, like, inside the paint in the fourth. So, you know, if, if they make those five shots, that's 10 points right there. Not that you're going to make every shot in the paint. But if they make three out of those fives, that you know, this game is a lot closer than what it is. And, you know, maybe the pressure gets to the Warriors. It's not likely the Warriors have been here before, but it's it's a different game. You can't shoot 38% in the fourth quarter and expect to win unless you're up by by double digits. And you know, like the, the game started out great. The Grizzlies got up by as much as 10 in the first half. And then, you know, Warriors started chipping away. Warriors got a little bit of lead. Grizzlies fought back. And then, you know, pretty much uh, about midway through the third for the rest of the game, the Warriors held on to the lead. Uh, the Grizzlies got it tied right close to the end of the third quarter on a De'Anthony Melton layup. But uh, just – and it looks like, yeah, that they ended up – when was that in the fourth that they got it tied to? Or was it in the fourth on the, the Melton layup? Yeah, uh, I, probably, think I, would, I think that might have been yeah. one. Yeah, I think about it. Got it down to one right there with the melt layup. And it should have, should have been an and one, man. I, and, and I'm not a person. I hate to be that guy that harps on officiating, but a lot of missed foul calls in this game. I mean, Grizzlies going to the hole hard. It got the bucket. It should have been a lot of and ones. It seems that X always gets fouled and never seems to get the call. Him and Jerry get a quick whistle on the other end, but they don't ever seem to get the calls on the other end. They take a lot of contact. I mean, X, it seems like every time he scores, it could probably be an one, man. Just didn't get a lot of those calls tonight. Not the reason why they, they, they didn't win a game because Grizzlies actually outshot them from the free throw line. Uh, Grizz 20 of 24 for 83%. Grizz plus six in attempts and plus six and six and makes. If you want to look at the big reason why they lost this game, um, it was on the, the three-point line. Right? Grizzlies 8 of 26 for 30.8%. Golden State 19 of 40, 47.5%. So Warriors plus 14 in attempts and plus 11 makes. So that's 33 points. Uh, Grizzlies outshot them by six points at the free throw line. So that's a net gain of 27 points for the Warriors. And you, you're you just not going to overcome that um, that big of a margin from the three-point line. We talked about that last year when they were playing Utah in the playoffs. And that's kind of the same type of split you saw in those losses. It's just hard to overcome when a team is shooting a basketball like that. But I think you have to be encouraged. And one thing I'm glad to coming out of this game, I think this should put an end to the – crazy people out there to say this team is better than w- without job. Uh, but I think tonight showed you that this team can be really good with job. And I mean, we've seen it before, but for some reason they've seen it forgotten <laughs> that this team has played really well with Josh just because they were struggling right before he went out. But I think that kind of puts the, 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 the kibosh on that, at least for right now. Uh, I mean, you never know what narrative is going to fly out. Every 
few a few games or something new out there. But I think you have to be encouraged with this one. Yeah, thinking about how long it's going to take to integrate Ja back in, because I mean Ja was super aggressive tonight. Uh, Taylor Jenkins talked about it in post game press conference about Ja getting more uncomfortable comfortable with his knee um, and testing the knee, and I don't think he didn't show any ill effects of that at all. Man, going to the basket hard, took several falls uh, going to the basket tonight, hot right back up. So he seems to be back to himself, uh, and, I, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, you need him being aggressive going to the basket. I think even though he scored 16 points uh, in the loss on Monday, you could tell that he wasn't quite as aggressive. He picked his spots, uh, but tonight he was vintage job going to the basket. I was every time he got the opportunity, and I think he's going to get more and more comfortable, and that's good thing. Uh, again, they got a couple days off uh, back into Sacramento, just beat them last Sunday out there, back there this Sunday again. And I think this is a situation where they need to get that win because they got a tough win game on the back-to-back at Phoenix, and we all know how tough that was going to be. And it'd be nice for them to get to. Man, I talked about that on the last podcast, losing those two games on the home floor. If you could beat Golden State or Phoenix and get the win in Sacramento, 2-1 and one, I think would be fantastic on this trip. But even though they didn't shoot the basketball well down the stretch, I was encouraged by a lot of things that I saw in this because, I mean, you're possibly playing against the best team in the NBA uh, at this point. And, to be in a fight with them when, when you're trying to integrate job back in, all the stuff that you got going on, lost two in a row. I know this is three in a row, but this one I think is kind of different. There's no moral victories in the NBA, but I think you you kind of kind of feel pretty good out of this one. And I don't feel like we're talking about a team that's in a super slump, even though they've lost three in a row. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you have to take into credit the, the quality of the team. Just like you said, that, you know, Golden State – they're they're a half game behind Phoenix for the best record in the in the West, maybe in the league. I don't even, yeah, in, in the league right now. You know, it, it's Draymond Green and Steph Curry have been doing this. That they know, like, yeah, and that's you know, Coach Jenkins talked about Draymond in the post game press conference. So one of the um, the Golden State guys asked him about how do you prepare to defend Draymond Green? Like, what what do you decide? What factors into deciding if you're going to guard him close or if you're going to play back off of him. And Coach yeah, Jenkins said, you know, tough, it's man. tough because if you play too far off of him, he's, he's going to go, go by. Lanes. Yeah. But if you get too aggressive, he's capable he's of blowing by, by you. you on the dribble. So, you know, they've got guys that, have, you know, they've been there. They've won titles. They know what to do in high leverage games. And that matters. The Grizzlies don't really have that yet because they are the second youngest team in the league. And, and I'm not here to make excuses for them. The bottom line is they've got to make shots in the fourth in yeah. order to, to win this game. And that's uh, it. I yeah. mean, that's basically it. You make shots, yeah. you win this game. Yeah, you know, that they were, what, 38 of 90 on the night. So, you know, you take away the, the eight for 21. So they were – be 30, 30, 30 of uh, 30 of 69. That'd be uh, yeah, 30, it'd be 30 of 69. If you take away what was it, eight of 28 of 21, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be 30, yeah. 30 of 69. Yeah, you know, they're, they're shooting around 44 percent heading into the fourth quarter. If they maintain that, it's, it's a different ball game for 44 percent, you know, on 21 shots. That's significantly more points on the board for the Grizzlies. And when the game's tighter, things happen differently. And, you know, like they were doing a good job. They were, the Grizzlies were trapping Steph Curry in the fourth, like taking the ball out of his hand or trying to take the ball out of his hand. 
Uh, it worked sometimes. Sometimes he got to the bucket. The, the dagger play, he was able to get through it and get to the bucket for a pretty easy layup. But it, it, it's just execution, and that's something that this team is still learning. And I think because of their success, a lot of people forget how young this team is. And, and I mean, Garden, Garden Steph is just tough for anybody. I mean, any team, no matter how how good you are, young team, veteran team. I mean, he just it's constant motion, man. And you chase him around. I mean, Dylan did everything he could, and then he still finds ways to get open. And then when when he doesn't get open, he usually finds another guy like he found Gary Payton in the corner for that wide open three, the kind of kind of dagger three that he hit there with Gary Payton second came up big tonight. Uh, big shot after big shot. Seems like every time they kind of contain. Step. It was Gary Payton knocking out a shot. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think they they combined for uh, twenty five of the uh, thirty two third quarter Warriors points. So you know, yeah, Steph and, I mean, and Gary Payton were cooking. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when when Steph gets otherworldly like that, man, some of those shots that he makes, man, you just have to tip your cap to him. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of defense you play. So, I mean, it's just so tough to guard him, man, because like he can get by you. Like kind of same thing you said with. Draymond, I mean, he can get the pass. He can get a passing lane if you back off from him. Then he can get to the basket. Uh, he can step up and pull up these wild shots. They're so unorthodox that it's not like anybody else that you're guarding because other guys are not taking those kind of shots. They're not going to take these off-balance, fall-into-the-side threes. Most guys aren't going to take those. It's just so hard to guard. He can make those shots at a pretty high rate. It's just, again, man, sometimes you have to tip your cap. It doesn't matter. Because he's really played really good defense tonight. This game came down to making shots there in the fourth quarter going back and forth and Golden State made the shots and unfortunately the Grizzlies didn't. I think five misses in the paint, inside the paint in the, in the fourth quarter and that could have changed the game and they just didn't make them tonight. But again, man, they're going against a really good basketball team so you have to get a lot of credit to the Warriors as well. Um, I mean, we've seen these two, two teams play and we've seen these games come down to the fourth quarter like this. The last couple of times it, it went the Grizzlies' way. This time it, it, it happened to go to Golden State's way and they're going to see these guys again. But it's always fun when these guys matchup. I love to watch the matchup with Dylan Brooks. I remember one play, I mean, Dylan had him beat up, and I think he still ended up, I can't remember what, I don't know if that was a Gary Payton three, what happened on that play? Got late in the shot clock, but I mean, Dylan had him locked up on the sideline. I mean, doing everything he could do, and they still end up scoring on that play. I can't remember. Steph scored, or he got, he dissed it off to Payton, he had a shot, but I, I mean, he's incredible to watch, man. You you gotta give credit. He's the best to, to ever do it uh, from, from behind that three-point line, and Brevin said it on the podcast. He's not just a three-point shooter. A lot of people talk about that. I mean, he's one of the best scorers uh, yeah. that we've ever seen in this league. And, I mean, once he gets cooking, man, it, it, it's scary because you could be the best defender in the league. I mean, and at, at times, there's nothing that you can do against him. Yeah, his, his handle is incredible, man. You know, It's you, ridiculous, you, you could, man. It's like can he can play for the gold trotter. Yeah, <laughs> you, you could put his handle up there against pretty much anybody in the league. You know, there may be a couple guys that are slightly better, but, you know, all-time greats find a way to get it done, and and that's what happened tonight with you know with Steph just thirteen for twenty-two from the field, crazy efficient, and it wasn't from lack of defense. Twelve for twelve from the free throw line, he don't miss. Eight of fourteen from three for forty-six points. You, you defend that the best you can, and you know if they manage to say you want to let Steph say that the goal is okay, let's let Steph eat, but we're going to shut everybody else down. They've done a decent job of that outside of Gary Payton. If you find a way to shut Gary Payton down in this game, the Grizzlies. Oh, you win. Yeah, you, you're you're winning this game because nobody outside of Payton and Curry got in double digits. You know, you, uh, Otto Porter had eight, Draymond had eight, Kevon Looney had six, uh, Belitza had nine, 
two from Moses Moody, six from JTA, and six from Kaminga. So, you know, they've done a decent job defending everybody else. It just is what it is, man. You know, it, it's we could sit here and, and, and keep beating the dead horse, but at the end of the day, the Grizzlies got to make shots in the fourth in order to win these games, and, and, and they didn't tonight. That's just what happened. I want to toss something to you because I mentioned this on Twitter, and I, I'm getting a little bit of flack from it from, from one person. He said I didn't, didn't frame it right, or they said. I don't know whether it's, a, you know, male, female, indifferent, whatever. I don't know. But um, they said I should have framed it different. I, I mentioned I looked at the box score, and at one point in the fourth quarter, Dylan Brooks on a mostly healthy Grizzlies team had the most shot attempts. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I didn't have a lot of problems with it tonight. I think a, a couple last couple games, I think you look at the amount of shots that he had compared to, to what everybody else had. I mean, you look at John Moran. I mean, some nights is going to be that John six to 15 Dylan was six to 15. What was Jared six to 12. I don't have a big problem with that. Cause I don't think, this game, I, I didn't see a lot of, like, terrible shots that he took. There were shots in, in the last couple of games where just bad shots early in the shot clock, deep threes that he was taking, just forcing the ball. I didn't see a lot of it tonight. I think he was pretty efficient tonight. A lot of the shots that he took, if he missed them, they were just misses. They weren't because they were bad shots. So that didn't really stand out to me tonight. What, what did you think? I didn't really see a lot of bad shots. I think the, the, the production was kind of evenly spread out, like I said. Draw six to fifteen. You got we got here. Dylan Brooks six to fifteen. Jared yeah, six to twelve. I mean, you had five, six guys double digit yeah. shot attempts. Uh, Dylan so had not, fifteen. I don't really... Jaren twelve. Desmond Bain had eleven. Moran had fifteen. Melton had thirteen. Good night from him, by the way. And then ten from from X. So you know the shot distribution was not bad tonight. My comment was not necessarily about tonight's game. It was more in general of the fact that your recipe for winning cannot be Dylan Brooks taking the most shots. And, and I like Dylan. And again, I, it's not so much focus on tonight's game because I, I tend to agree. There were a few shots that I was not okay with where, you know, they were highly contested, but Dylan makes a lot of those highly contested shots. Yeah. So, that's, you know, that's kind of the thing. Like, uh, a lot of people say, like, when he misses him, when, when he misses him, you're like, oh, man, those are terrible bad shots. But if he makes them, you're like, nobody really says anything about it. And we've seen him make those shots, those crazy fallaway shots that he goes to the paint to make. And you're like, how did he make that? Uh, and when you when he makes them again, it's not big of a deal when he misses them. And that's the thing tonight, man. I, I'm trying to think back, man. There might have been a couple, but it, it didn't really stand out to me tonight. I, I don't feel like he was hogging the ball or, or taking shots away from other guys, I think. It was kind of evenly distributed. I think Ja was aggressive and, and picked his spots, and I don't think he was taking shots away from guys. Jaron was going to the hole, and, and shout out to Jaron, man. He struggled the last several games, but kind of had a bounce back tonight. And 20 points, five rebounds, two assists, and steal a block. Super efficient, six of 12. Uh, did knock down a three, one of three, seven of nine from the free throw line. Get to the free throw line. You like to see that nine attempts in only 29 minutes, 20 points in 29 minutes. So uh, uh, kind of a bounce back night from him. And Morant with a big night as well, 21 points, three rebounds, six assists, and still uh, six of 15 from the floor. It was over four from three, but got to the free throw line with frequency, nine of 10 from the free throw line in, in 32 minutes. So he's looking more and more like himself. I think he's going to get more and more comfortable, but it, he didn't seem like the, he was thinking about the knee at all. And I kind of kind of figured that he would kind of bounce back. Usually anytime he has anything going on, any outside factors or somebody that said something or anything like that, there's been 
couple of instances where some stuff has happened on Twitter and he's kind of come in on it. He usually comes back and has a big game tonight. And I think he was aggressive. And this team was up for this game. I mean, I, I think you saw yeah, from the jump yeah. that these guys came out ready to play. And that was, that was really good to see. I'm, I'm encouraged. I think you there was kind of some worry of them losing the game, John coming back and trying to integrate him back in. I was kind of worried about kind of the situation that happened that he kind of admitted that he was already kind of in his head a little bit about them playing really well without him and he's trying to come back and fit in and didn't want to do too much. And when that popped up after the game, I was like, man, I don't need, we don't need anything to prolong this process of, of working them back in, but everything seemed to work itself out tonight despite the loss. So I was kind of glad to see that. And I'm, I'm encouraged uh, going into the game on Sunday. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I want to go back to the Dylan Brooks thing because I, I didn't get to finish my point there, and, that, and that's fine. Oh, sorry. But you know, no, 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 you're good, man. I, I, I liked what you were saying. I was fine with it. Um, but it, there's character limits on Twitter, so you can't always like fully articulate exactly uh, yeah. what you're saying. You know, like when I made that tweet, my tweet said. Dylan, it was something, I don't know what word for it, and I don't have it pulled up, but it was something along the lines of Dylan Brooks taking the most shots is not going to be the recipe for winning night in and night out. Yeah, most most nights is not. And so that was not, I was not bad-mouthing Dylan. I was not talking about his shot selection tonight. I wasn't, I'm talking about these other guys that you want to be the focal point of your offense being more aggressive and getting their shots on a night when Dylan is knocking out. I don't want Dylan to stop being aggressive. I don't want him to change who he is. I like the player that Dylan is. I'm higher than a lot of people are on Dylan Brooks. I, I was, you know, when there, there were talks about, you know, Jalen green, maybe being available. And then, you know, we, we fire up the trade machine and, and start talking about that. I, I was one that was not necessarily on board with that because I don't know that this defense doesn't take a big hit. And I realize that Jalen Green is a good defender, or Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. Yeah. Jalen Brown. Um, I think he's the one, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I realize Jalen Brown is a good defender, but I I just don't think that he's on the same level as Dylan Brooks. And, and I might be wrong there. I don't care if, if I'm wrong there, honestly. I, I'll live with that. I'll take that L. But I I was I'm very high on Dylan and it wasn't a knock on him and his game. I want him to still be aggressive, but your guys like Jaron and Ja, which you want to be your focal point of the offense, they need to be aggressive and they need to go and get their shots because when it comes down to it, if the ball gets into Dylan's hands and they need a bucket, Dylan's going to do everything he can do to get that bucket because that's yeah. the way that he's wired. That's his mentality, yeah. And you need somebody like that. So you know, I, I didn't in that tweet, I didn't say, you know, Dylan is detrimental. Dylan is garbage and they need to get rid of him. I, I'm I've been critical of Dylan before. You know, there were times a couple years ago where his shot selection was terrible. The early, you know, 25 foot three you know, early in the shot clock, 17 seconds on the shot clock. Why are you jacking that three up there? Or going, you know, downhill and it's four on one and you got teammates wide open everywhere else and you're not even looking to pass the ball. You're going up and you're taking that contested shot. There are things that he does that drives me crazy. So I will never not be critical of him. But in this instance, it wasn't a, you know, I think that Dylan is causing them to lose this game because that wasn't the case at all. You know, some, some nights Dylan might get cooking and you might, want him taking those shots but in, in an ideal world i think it 
should go Ja, Jared, and then some combination of, of, of Bain and Dillon after those two. And I think that's going to be your recipe for success on, on most nights. But, yeah, I mean, there's times where Dillon still gets tunnel vision, definitely not as much as he used to. I mean, a couple of years ago, I mean, that was kind of all we were talking about. I mean, there were people that couldn't wait to run him out of town, and, and now he's kind of become the heart and soul of this team. And, and, and you talk about Jalen Brown and kind of the difference in defense. I kind of agree with you because I think Dylan is underrated around the league. I don't think people give him enough credit for his own on-ball defense. I think because there's a certain mentality that he has. I mean, there are other guys that play really good defense, but he has this attitude and swagger about it that a lot of guys don't have. They might be good defenders, but Dylan has an extra kind of crazy uh, chromosome, I want to call it that. He just goes to, to another place with it sometimes when he's really locked in, and a lot of guys just don't bring that, and I think you could miss that uh, when, when, because when, when it comes to the guard, the best, the team's best perimeter player on the other team, he's the guy that you want to put on him. And I trust him probably more than, than most guys that you can name. Uh, so I definitely agree with you there. I just think overall, I think Jaden Brown's a, a more talented player, but you have to be careful because again, I think in this locker room, these guys love Dylan, the energy that he brings to this team, they feed off of that. And, and if you move him, I mean, that could, could cause some chemistry issues. You just never know how these things are going to go. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I was in no way saying, oh, I don't want Jalen Brown. Obviously, he's an all-star player. It's fantastic. The, the, the price just has to be right. You know, I, I'm not... And, and, and it's going to be hot. Is there, yeah. you're, you're not getting Jalen Brown out there. If they, if, if they pick up the phone, you pick up the phone like Jalen Brown, they're probably going to start with something that's going to make you hang up the phone, but they're probably going to say Jaron, and then I'm hanging up the phone. That's yeah, yeah. probably going to be the end of the conversation. So yep. if, if we can have a legitimate <laughs> conversation and, and, you know, may, maybe make something happen, that's fine. But, you know, if, if we don't, cool. I'm fine with that too. A big game, De'Anthony Melton, eight for 13 from the field, 20 points from him tonight, only one for four from three, still able to put up a, a 20 piece on him. And, and that's, yeah, only 25 minutes, too. Yeah, you know, th this is this is what you want from him. Not that you expect 20 points a night from him. He turned the ball over four times, which is rough. But, you yeah, know, just – Yeah, you, you know, one, one thing I was going to say real quick. One thing is scares me. Every time he starts drilling in the paint, I'm like, man, get rid of it. Like, like you tell, said it on Twitter. It's like his mind just goes to another place. Like he's doing 100 miles per hour, man. And it's you just, just like calm down a little bit. Just calm down. He gets to – get crazy. A lot of times it works. Somehow he finds his way to the basket and puts up these wild layups and get him to go. But once it's handled, man, you don't really want him dribbling the ball in traffic. But outside of that, man, he's he was fantastic tonight. And this is the this is what we always talk about, the consistency. And we've seen it both, both games. Uh, I think he had a pretty good game Monday as well, I think. So we kind of questioned whether how was this going to continue when he came off the bench when Jock came back. And I think through two games so far so good. Yeah, and, you know, Ty's only played 16 minutes tonight. I missed part of the first half. Uh, I was out, just got got here a little bit late. So I didn't really get to see a whole lot of Ty's minutes. But I thought that we'd probably see Melton's minutes drop some more whenever Ty's came back to the floor, but that was not the case oh. tonight. And maybe it was just Jenkins riding the hot hand because, you know, Melton was out there doing stuff, nine rebounds, uh, you know, two steals, a block shot. And endless hustle plays, the stuff that he does night in and night out, man. It, it's it's incredible to watch. And I I just want to see some some consistency from him, man. I, I just want to see, yeah, you know, that, like, that's, I, that's I don't it. have to like I don't have to have 20 points a night from him, but if he can be 
consistently 10 to 12 points a night and do the other stuff that he does, he is, you know, invaluable to this team. Yeah. It's, He's it's a keeper. craziness. Yeah. So, uh, man, I, I don't have much else on, on this game. You know, like I said, it boils down to got to make shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, execution, the Warriors done it, the Grizzlies didn't. You know, they, the Grizzlies turn, turn them over a ton, 19 turnovers from the Warriors, but points off of turnovers, only 19. So, you know, they, they were not able to get out and run when they were turning that ball over, and that, that's something that this this team does. Their offense is driven by their defense, and when you're forcing the turnovers and not turning those into points, it's going to come back and bite you, and it did. Yeah, and, and speaking, speaking of tires, I was looking at this box score, and, and Ja played – uh, 38 minutes and t- t- 32 minutes and Tyus played 16. So he was in the game every minute that John was off the court. And I don't honestly, I don't remember Tyus in this game at all. I was trying to think back of anything that I remember. It seems like I remember him missing one floater, but he had two points, a rebound, six a steal, one of five from the field, O of three from three, 16 minutes uh, minus four. I-, I really don't remember him in this game. That's kind of weird uh, to say, but. Uh, yeah, I kind of thought Melton's minutes would drop as well when he came back, and they did not at all. I mean, he's still up at, at 25 minutes. And 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 you talk about it, man. If, if Melton is the player that we saw tonight, and you're not going to get 20 points from him every night, but if he's consistent on, on both ends of the floor, I think he's in line with the other guys that I kind of – Ja, Jaron, Bain, uh, and, I, and I guess you throw Dylan Brooks in there, even though if a big trade came up, I might be willing to discuss Brooks. Bain would be off the table for me right now, but I think I would put Melton in there if we can show some consistency, and that's just kind of been the thing with him. Uh, I mean, there's times, especially offensively, where he just goes in the shell and doesn't even look like the same player. Defensively, he's going to get the effort there, but a lot of times he just stops making shots, can't score, and that's kind of what we've seen from him. If he can be consistent, not 20 points a game, but just be efficient offensively, uh, he's a guy that, I mean, I, I don't even think you can put a bad value on what he means to this basketball team. Yeah, that that's actually. I'm glad you mentioned the the trade thing. That's something else. That, you know, we can kind of toss in here. Do you want to talk about? Do we do the team stats? We kind of talked about them a little bit throughout. Do you want to run through those real quick before we, uh, we yeah. move on to this? Yeah, uh, Grizzlies 38 of 90 for 42.2 percent. Uh, Golden State 40 of 82. So Grizzlies got eight more shots up again. I talk I talk about that every game. It seems like Grizzlies always get some more get up more shots than opponent. That's been a theme going back to the last year that I've already noticed. But Golden State shoots six percent percentage points higher on the night um, and make two more shots. Uh Grizzlies again, I think this is kind of where the game was lost. Grizzlies eight of twenty six for thirty point eight percent from three. Golden State nineteen of forty for forty seven point five percent. So Warriors plus fourteen and three points attempt. They get forty three point shots up in this game. Super efficient nineteen to forty. So that's plus 11 threes for 33 points. I mean, that's, I mean, it's almost impossible to, to make up that unless you have a huge discrepancy at the free throw line. The Grizzlies do shoot, go plus six from the free throw line, but that's only a net of, of that brings it down to 27 points. And you just can't make that up. I mean, you're not going to make enough twos up to make 27 point difference on the three point line. Uh, but the Grizzlies win the battle of the rebounds 42 to 39, 14 to eight on the offensive glass. Ghost State Warriors did a fantastic job of sharing the basketball. I mean, just, Ping pong the ball around, man. Had the Grizzlies defense stretched out, especially at the fourth quarter, at those big shots. Uh, they got 30 assists on the night. Grizzlies with 18. Grizzlies 10 steals to nine for Golden State. Six blocks for the Grizzlies, uh, nine for Golden State. Grizzlies with 19 points off 19 uh, Warriors turnovers. Warriors 21 points off of 13 Grizzlies miscues. 
Uh, fast break point, 16 to 14 Grizzlies. Uh, paint points, 50 to 38 Grizzlies. All right. So back to the trade thing, and then we'll we'll wrap it up and get out of here. We're we're into Christmas Eve, man. We, we've rolled past midnight here into Christmas Eve on this one because we got the late game. So happy holidays to everybody. But I, I want to talk about this, and you and I have talked about this on the show a number of different times, but, but I see it from a number of different people talking about the Grizzlies need to make a trade right now. And I'm, I don't know. I won't say that I'm anti-trade. But I don't want to make the same mistake that the Oklahoma City Thunder made. In 2012, they chose Serge Ibaka over James Harden. And if you could rewind and do that all over again, are you still making that call? Are you still choosing Ibaka over James Harden? And the answer should be unanimously no. Now, you know, you, you can't compare those two guys now as Ibaka is well past his prime and Harden is still in his. But at the time, Ibaka was a, you know, a dominant defender, one of the best defenders in the league, one of the best shot blockers in the league. So it made some sense at the time to hold Ibaka and get rid of Harden. They didn't have the money to keep both guys. They had to make that choice. We have not seen enough from this team to know what pieces are what. Do you know what Desmond Bain's ceiling is right now? Do you know what Dylan Brooks' ceiling is right now? Has Dylan Brooks reached his ceiling? I would say that he hasn't. I've watched him grow over, you know, these last couple seasons from the bubble to where he is now, you know, with the exception of the last two games, you know, he kind of had, had a rough stretch. But you don't know what any of these guys, you don't know what their ceiling is. Who are you going to move? And, and that that's my whole issue with it. If you if you move off of a guy, Desmond Bain, he's been playing well. You know, he's he would bring an insane amount of trade value right now because of how well that he's been playing. But what if you get rid of him and he continues to grow? He continues, you know, he he turns out to be, you know, a multi-time all-star and an all-NBA type player. We don't know that that is not a possibility at this time. Now, there's obviously lines, right? Like at some point you have to make that decision, but I don't think that that decision has to be made this year. Where are you at on it, Isaac? I think another situation, you you use OKC as a great example. I think another situation, I know it's different market, different money level, different things, but the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, all the talent they had with guys like Julius Randle and, Angelo Russell, they got rid of all those guys and they made terrible decisions. I mean, they got definitely got rid of the wrong guys. They could, God, you could think of the talent that they could have now in their team that probably could have kept all those guys with the, with the amount of money. They, they could have found a way to make it work and they made rusted decisions and made the wrong ones. And that's definitely something that you can do when you're dealing with young talent like that and guys that are still haven't reached their prime and still growing, still young. You always have to, anytime you move those guys, you're always running the risk of get rid of a guy too soon. And and I think that is definitely a, the, the situation here. My thing is, and I, I'm not sure what the front office, I don't, I'm not sure what they're thinking. And, and I've kind of talked to some people about this and they kind of saying that maybe you should wait and, and uh, let till next year, or maybe the, the, the off season after next season, maybe that's kind of the time to make the move. And my kind of pushback on it is if you're going to make a big move, I mean, there'll be opportunities and you'll have pieces and assets to move at a different time. 
But if you're going to make one big move, I think the deadline this year is probably your best opportunity to put together the best package that you're going to be able to put it together the next couple of years. I mean, there'll be things that you can move after after next year, but you have the three draft picks this year. Those are going to be gone. You have to do something with those, whether you move up in the draft or on draft night or whatever you decide to do that. If you're going to use those in a trade to bring in a major piece, I think that's that's something that's got to be done this year. And I don't I don't know if that's what the front office wants to do. Maybe you can use these assets. You can make two, three, four moves, do different things. Like you said, you could use those picks to move up in the draft. You could save some of them and move them into a, a, in a medium trade. You could take, like, like Tyus or Kyle at the deadline. You might extend Kyle. You might trade Tyus and package, pick with him and bring in a player. I mean, it's a lot of different ways you can go about this. But if you're going to do a, a major like you're talking about, which I don't even think is possible because I think they're going to ask too much. Like a, we talk about Jalen Brown. If you're going to do that, I think the deadline of this year is probably your best opportunity to put a package together for that because you'll have expiring contracts next year if Steven Adams is back, but that's not quite as attractive as the three draft picks. I think the draft capital, I think, is their biggest asset uh, that, that they can, can move in to go out and get a big player. So yeah, if that's the case, I think the, this year's trade deadline is the best scenario for that, but that might not be the direction that they decide to go with. It might not be the best direction for this team. I mean, this team is in fourth place right now, and, I mean, you've missed Ja for, for 10, 11, 12 games, 11 games, and you were still able to win. So, I mean, maybe they don't need to go out and do anything like that. Like you said, maybe we've seen tremendous strides from a guy like Desmond Bain. Maybe Desmond Gain is that guy that puts him over the top in a couple of years. Who who knows? So I'm thinking maybe the answer to your question is not really answered, but maybe what we're seeing right now could have changed their mind. Maybe at one point they were thinking about possibly – collecting these assets and make a movement out there. Now maybe they're thinking, well, maybe we don't need to do that. Maybe we can display these at this, this, what's the word I'm trying to say, distribute these assets in a different, different fashion. Yeah. I, it's, you know, when we look back on, on this season, four or five years from now, wh- whatever happens, we're going to be able to look back and say, okay, they did or didn't do this. And this is the result. And then we're going to be able to analyze it and say, you know, maybe they should have done this or what they've done worked out perfect. It ends in a, a championship parade on Bill Street. W- whatever the case may be, when looking back, it's going to be easy to decipher what the right or wrong move was. But I hate to see franchises rush it. I didn't even think of the Lakers. That's a better example, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they, you know. God, they botched the hell out of that, man. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. <laughs> yeah, I, forgot, I, didn't, you know, I didn't even mention I forgot Lonzo Ju- Ball and Brandon Ingram. Julius yeah. Randle. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, they just got really, all just, their young talent, man. Think if they had kept yeah. those guys together. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it would be crazy. It'd be That team would be – I think that that team would probably have a better record right now than the current roster, honestly. And, that you know, it, it wouldn't be surprising at all that that team is struggling. But we're not going to jump into that too much. Yeah, they took a little loss Brady, tonight, man. 138 to 110 at home to the San Antonio Spurs tonight, man. Gave up 138. That they're struggling, man. I, I know AD is out, but even before he went out, I mean, they were losing in. I mean, that's that's a struggle, and, and people keep thinking this team's gonna get right. And I, I just don't see it. I, I I really don't. And I'm starting. I'm really starting to worry. I know it sounds crazy, but that they might fall inside the top ten. They're one like significant portion of missed games for LeBron James. I think for being in the lottery and in, in, in the top 10 of the lottery. And that's a scary situation because if people, if you don't know, if, if they fall, if they fall inside the top 10, that pick and it's, this is it one year. 
If it falls, if they fall inside the top 10 this year, that turns into two seconds, one this year. And I think one in 2024. So the Grizzlies really need that pick to fall 11, 11 or, or, or below, uh, because that's, that would be a, a, a game changer. That's something that you do definitely do not want to happen. Yeah. Yep. You know, and so maybe trading it at the deadline is peak value for it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, what, what it, if they like end up 11 and like jump up? Man, that mm-hmm. would be, God, that would be painful, man. Yeah. <laughs> I would, that and that's, be, that's something, and that's like, if you believe in conspiracy theories, that's something that would be that the NBA would do if you get kind of believe in that kind of stuff. They would put the Lakers up in, higher in the lottery if they had an opportunity. I don't, I, it's tough. I don't know whether I believe in that or not. I've seen some, some wild stuff, things that make you go, hmm, like the year where Derrick Rose, I think the, the, the Bulls had less than a 1% chance of jumping up, jump up to number one and get them east from Chicago. It's just kind of, it, it's yeah. possible, but that's kind of weird, man, when, when you think about it. Yeah. You, you don't want to believe it, but you don't want to yeah. leave it out exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's all we got, man. You got anything else before we get out of here? No, man. I just want to send a, a Merry Christmas out to, to Grizz Nation. Like you said, we're into after the 12 o'clock hour, so it's actually Christmas Eve. And even if you're not part of Grizz Nation, if you tune in to us, Merry Christmas to you as well. If you're a Warriors fan, you're listening, y'all got a nice victory tonight. Merry Christmas to you as you as well. All right, so we'll wrap it up. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies, E-T-H-O-S, Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at D-Will 2111. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man, Grizzlies will be back on the hardwood in Sacramento. Second time, man, just took them took on back last Sunday, uh, same time, Sunday at 5 p.m., be back in Sacramento. Probably Sacramento will have, hopefully they'll have more players uh, on the floor. Missing a lot of players with COVID, maybe we'll get a, a more even matchup this time. They kind of gave the Grizzlies a little bit more than what they wanted there early in the game before the Grizzlies pulled away. So it, it, I think this is a spot where the Grizzlies need a win, and, and, and I think they come out and get it. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We'll be back on Sunday with a post game. Uh, we'll talk to you then.